0: This special 20th episode is a great stepping stone for the Man of War podcast. We focus on self confidence and how to develop it by eradicating negativity from our lives the warrior's way. Our in studio special guest today is Navy SEAL David Rutherford. David is an internationally known motivational speaker, best selling author. Co-host of the Never Quit podcast with Marcus Luttrell and founder of Team Frog Logic, which has reached over 4 million people around the world. Now, David is electric. This guy inspires audiences and individuals across America with his emotionally entertaining style of speaking. You'll see what I'm talking about in a minute. This guy's going to charge you up. It is intoxicating. Gentlemen, Join us in this motivational conversation where nothing is left to chance. We cover down on self-confidence and how warriors strengthen it for success in business and in life. Stand by. Welcome to the Man of War podcast, where we forge men into warriors and get them battle ready for the game of life. Learn warrior hacks that strengthen your mindset, self-confidence, courage, and personal protection skills. Unlock a life that embodies a warrior spirit for dynamic success in life and in business if you're joining us for the first time you're tuning in to the one and only podcast that empowers you to achieve greatness by living the warrior lifestyle each show we interview elite men from around the globe and delve deep into their mindset and daily rituals uncovering their secrets to success i'm rafa kande founder and creator of the man of war movement Join me on this life-altering journey where we recharge your mind, body, and spirit. Rise of night, my brothers. Man, oh man, what can I say? I am super hyped today. First off, we're celebrating our 20th show. So far, this journey has been absolutely phenomenal. I have made so many new friends and brothers on this path that we call the warrior's path. I promised you at the beginning that this show was about warriors and we hit a home run. Our guests so far, the first 20 shows have included Jason Redman, Brent Gleason, Eric Davis, David Rutherford, Jay Dobbins, Josh Mantz, and so many other elite warriors out there. This ride has been absolutely phenomenal. These men have truly inspired me and so many warrior minded men like yourself. I am truly blessed by having such an elite group of men on my show. But even more important than my guest has been your strong desire to walk the warriors path with me and your strong support of this podcast. Thank you to each and every one of you. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to the next 20 episodes and I'm going to tell you this much. We have a bunch of badass guests in store for you. Now the second reason I'm so fired up is because our special guest today has to be one of the most energetic men I have ever met. This guy gives off intoxicating feel good vibes and tremendous doses of motivation. I want you guys to get ready for a kick ass in your face show today. I had the pleasure to have David Rutherford in studio and we had a blast. Without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, guys, welcome back to the Man of War podcast. We have a super special guest today, Dave Rutherford. Welcome, Dave. My brother,
1: I can't even tell you how stoked I am to be here with you, not only be here sitting with you, but be in the academy, being in the place where you're going to start training human beings how to be badasses, how to be confident, and how to achieve in this world in ways they can't even dream of yet. That's what I love, brother.
0: (laughs) You are on fire, man. (laughs) You take me up to that notch. (laughs) 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 Woo. That's well, the only
1: way to be, bro, because your clock is ticking, man. I'm I telling you that. You know that. Absolutely. You've been on the street. You know how much precious time is what is valued at, dude.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, man. And it is an honor to have you on here today. I mean, it's uh, we've been talking quite a bit before the show, and uh, man, you're you know what I love about you. You're a down to earth, humble guy. And but there's such great experience behind you. And the most important part is that you go out there, Dave, and you freaking share it with the world. And you put your, you know, you wear your heart on your sleeve and you go and you talk with passion. And uh, I tell you what, I mean, you are a man's man and uh, certainly honored that you're on our show here. I appreciate so, that. Thank you. Let's get started. Let our listeners know, especially the ones that don't know who you are. Roger. Let us know a little bit about who Dave Rutherford is.
1: Roger that. Uh, all right. So basically f- grew up in South Florida in, and ended up going uh, to Penn state. I played lacrosse up there. My dream was to play football that went tragically wrong because uh, there was a guy named Kerry Collins, who was uh, the starting uh, freshman quarterback who ended up being the best quarterback in Penn state's history. Well, the, the guy now is pretty good, but I th- still think Kerry, you were better, uh, it, you know, played 16 <laughs> seasons in the NFL so that smashed my dreams to even attempt to be on the team. And, and so as a result of that, that really, uh, that great inability to experience failure and to not understand fear in a, in, a, in a strong way or have a lot of self-confidence in that fact, I quit on my dream and I just climbed and down and went into this abyss of depression. I was suicidal multiple times. I drank a ton. I used drugs and I was a mess. Now, thank God. My fourth year, God kind of came down, and I had my first kind of God moment in my life, which I'm very blessed to have had about five of them so far. And He was like, "You gotta, you gotta change your life." And that's when I decided to drop out of college and join the Navy. And then next thing I know, that was June, that was April '95. By November '95, I was at basic underwater demolition seal training out in Coronado, getting my ass whipped on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> so. Did eight years in the teams as a combat paramedic. I was an operator. Uh, I was an instructor my final two years. Got out of the teams, moved back to Florida. Had crazy-ass premonition that I was going to make a gazillion dollars in real estate. And, and you, can you imagine a Navy SEAL uh, with somebody screaming at you for why they're not getting any people at your open house? No, that doesn't <laughs> work. So I, that lasted about 35 seconds oh, yeah. in that. Uh, and eventually, after, because I really, the transition for me in that time was was not good. I, di- I did not handle that well. Uh, really struggled hard. Thank God, I had a buddy of mine. Uh, about probably about a little over a year out, reach out and say, "Hey, man, come work with me at Blackwater." So I went to work for Blackwater, the you know the private security contracting company, and I was an international training specialist and developed curriculum for. Uh, Azerbaijan. I worked back in Afghanistan in o- the whole fall of '05. I trained in counter-drug commandos as well as ran a building project um, and then did that for about two years. Uh, and it was in that second trip to Afghanistan where I was doing counter-drug work and I was doing a couple ops with them and we had done an op and we had hit this place, this compound and, and other than, for some reason I think this was another big God moment for me. Instead of just holding hard and staying focused on... And there was a dry hole. There was nothing there. Nothing went down. And I looked over for the first time in two trips to Afghanistan. I actually kind of got hit with some empathy. And I noticed the kids in, in in the compound. Now, if you've ever been to a third world country, you've, you've seen how destitute, impoverished kids, and in particular, war-ridden, impoverished kids can be. Absolutely. Well, in my opinion... Afghanistan is the bottom of the bottom. I mean, by the time girls are 13, they're receptacles for procreation. Little boys are raped and beaten on a regular basis. There's no education. There's no nothing. And so it was in that moment where God was like, "Hey, man, I want you to change your mission." And so in that that space is when Frog Logic was born, really. And I made the decision, hey, I want to do something to help kids to keep their self confidence as they're getting pummeled day in and day out. That was the birth of frog lodges. So as I came back from that deployment, I started researching where I could do it. One thing led to another, and I figured I'd just do it right here in Palm Beach County. Uh, I grew up here. I wanted, I noticed, you know, when you looked at the statistics in 06, that's when childhood obesity was blowing up again. Uh, girls' teenage suicide rates were skyrocketing, first time in 30 years. And, and if you looked at, our graduation rates in Palm Beach County so back in 86 we had something like a 75 76% graduation rate one of the top in the in the country and 06 that had dropped down to like 70 71 Dang. and was going and was plummeting really yeah plummeting and one of the most affluent counties in the country and now all of a sudden we can't graduate students
0: wow so there's a I problem
1: yeah there's a problem going on so That spring, I wrote my first book, which was a kid's book. And it was the Eight Missions to Forging Self-Confidence. And that was the foundation. And so I started doing that for two years. And in about two years, I spoke to almost 10,000 kids in North America. And, And in Palm Beach County, what was funny, though, was I actually had a corporate sponsor who would pay for me to speak at any school within a five mile radius of one of their facilities. And like there was one in Boynton, they had that was, there were 20 schools in that radius. Mm-hmm. Palm Beach County wanted nothing to do with it. They didn't want me to speak. They didn't want to bother with it. They thought it was going to be a recruiting poster for the Navy, that I was some commando. It, it was atrocious. And that's where I started to realize, wow, there's something bigger going on. And, and really didn't see the depth of it until much later. Well, 08. Crash happens, and unless you're Tony Robbins, (laughs) right, you're not making any money speaking. Because
0: you're right about that. Right, right.
1: First budget that gets slashed is the is their entertainment budget. So, fortunately, at that moment, I got a real huge opportunity, and I went to work for the CIA, and I got to train case officers. How to behaviorally and tactically integrate with soft units, in particular JSOC units. And that was a real eye opener for me on a multitude of levels, and in, in particular in dealing with the human condition. Because coming from where we come from in the soft community, it's total team orientation, what I call the team life. Coming where they come from, it's compartmentalization, it's individualistic, it's, you know, it's pretty Very much every, every yes. person for themselves. Yeah. And that was unique to me. And, and so it really, I started digging back into human psychology again in a, in a really significant way and started to try and understand how you fuse those together. Because if you look at the greater context of society as a whole, what are we teaching each other? to be compartmentalized to be individualistic to to live within the confines of our own fears and that is a problem and we're seeing that with the desocialization of our communities and it's a big problem so i taught those guys for 2 years and then i went operational with them for 2 years where i was doing close protection in high threat environments for and and it was in that time where i really really got to revisit my mission in my life and after my second year in my fifth deployment to a war zone i was like you know what you know and also with the help of my ex you know she gave me an ultimatum you either quit deploying or we're done and and so but I, i i it was time for me anyway sure so i quit and it was funny because what what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do as an operator? What are you gonna do as I mean, are you gonna go greet people at Walmart? I mean, what are you gonna do? So we prayed on it and we came up, well, let's just start Frog Logic back up again. And Frog Logic, if you're wondering, is is Navy SEAL motivational training and thinking for civilians? And it's from eight to eighty. And it's just these core concepts that I believe, and I'll get into them a little bit more later. And so what was wild was a buddy of mine who I'd gone through training with was working for a financial company out of Boston, and he calls me up like a, a week and a half after we prayed hard on this, and he's like, hey, Rut." I was like, hey, bro, what's up, man? He's like, hey, dude, are you still speaking? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, do you suck? And I was like, come <laughs> on, bro. I was like, you know I can, I can tell a tale, dude. Come on. And he's like, hey, man, if you're any good – there's 72 wholesalers in my company. If you're any good, I'll use you. My buddy will use you. His buddy, his buddy, so on and so forth. That year, I did about 30 events for the company, and that started Frog Logic again. And it really, since then, has built to where I've, uh, man, I'm probably on track to do 80 events this year, 80 speaking events from wow. every different type of organ. I just did a huge beauty supply. Uh, uh, company in Dallas. I do a ton of financial work. I do, you know, every industry. Um, I, I write books. I'm getting ready to release my next kid books, which will be my third. I'm getting I'm in the middle of halfway through my next adult book. Um, and then of course I have a, a podcast with, uh, Marcus Latrell, the lone survivor called team never quit podcast.
0: Awesome podcast.
1: Yeah. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and with all that, uh, you know, I've, I've had a, a pretty good amount of success. I've been able to, in the 12 years I've been doing this, I've been able to reach almost from closing in on about 8 million people Damn! through live audiences and most, mostly through the internet and my videos.
0: Wow. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Really amazing stuff. I mean, thank you for opening up because, uh, bottom line is your background's unbelievable. And, uh, uh, the fact that you're out there sharing it with people and stepping up to the forefront and kind of opening up even your background when you first started and You know how you made your you know made yourself stronger you you know You entered into you know buds training and you just said hey, you know what? I want to change my life which is crucial because the bottom line is that this show is about men and it's about actions, right? Everything we do in life is about actions. We could talk about it, sing about it, read about it, but if we don't take that next step, taking that action, everything in life is gonna be a flat line. So I like you know, that. That's a good yeah, analogy. It absolutely. Really is. And and, and you the bottom line is you're you're a man that steps up, goes out there with passion. With you know intensity, and you're doing the right thing, and I commend you for that. Thank you, sir. And uh, you know that is why you are on my show here, and we're a young show, no doubt about it. But I'm very select on the guests that I have on. Appreciate. I rather wait, you know, a couple of months to get somebody on that's worthwhile than just to kind of go out there and give piece of shit to my fans <laughs> line, Okay? And I'm very straightforward I, I like here, I like so we it. can cuss all day long. <laughs> all right. All right, Dave, so check this out. I want to talk a little bit about confidence okay. and society in general today. What I see personally is I see a weakness in the mindset and in the confidence of men. Why do you think that is happening in the world that we're living in now? That's a great question.
1: Um, and, you know, I've spent a lot of time trying to analyze this. I think that for me there are, there are three main reasons for this the, the the most important one that i think i don't i don't think anybody can deny is that there is a, been a real shift in our educational system and starting when you when you go way back and you look at the early 70s when we started to move away from the traditional forms and how we were our educational system in particular in the public school systems was working we started bringing in a lot of European mindset, right, with through Montessori as well as some other stuff out of France and, and really some you know different different ideas on how we should educate. Now with that, I you know it changed the mentality of what was happening, and and I think what we wanted, what we went away from is there there was always a a, a pronounced formula. Based in America, in particular, on the hardships that America has gone through, right? It was a, it was a huge component of what you learned as a kid, right? You learned about the Revolution, you learned about the Civil War, you learned about, you know, uh, World War II, you learned about Vietnam. I mean, it was it was something that was relevant and, uh, to your growth and how you moved into being American, right?
0: You take, I'm 100% with you, Okay, 100%.
1: So fast forward, that was systematically started to be, break down a little bit. And it was more of about a multipolar mindset, right? The inclusion of, and don't get me wrong, I've got nothing against inclusion. I'm all about equality. I'm all about equal rights for across the board, freedom of speech. But there's a component of that that's been eradicated, right? Where entitlement has begun to usurp a sense of servitude. And at that flip, in that is where you start to get the problems, in particular with with masculinity being kind of reduced in certain contexts. Now, when you you go into it, take it to the next level, you look at the you know collegiate atmosphere, and in particular where a lot of the the the, the more core baseline leaders in academia and what they're starting to prepare. Propose as a, a modern-day society and what needs to happen, right? And so, I,
0: so you're saying – I don't want to cut you off. So you're saying instructors, teachers. Yes. Their mindset and their philosophy is kind of going in a route that might not be – from what I'm getting here, might not be spot on for what we need to develop confidence in this world. Confident
1: men. No, we can develop confidence with what we have, but what we have to do is you have to also develop a hypersense of confidence and create a space for that confidence to flourish. Otherwise, what you have is you have a 14-year-old boy who can't sit still in his seat, who is being constantly ridiculed and demoralized because he's not like the girl who can hold her attention span a lot better. She can sit. She's better at following directions. She's more constrained. That 14-year-old boy who's bouncing off the walls, he's constantly in trouble because you, the teachers aren't feeding him a particular mind frame that he associates with. Got it. And, and that's challenging. And when you're in those developmental years, it's, and I'm not talking in terms of educational developmental, I'm talking about the identity, right? That's where young boys become... Good young men and where young men turn into healthy, sophisticated, strong men. And that confidence is built by enabling them to flourish in their own mentality, right? So when you look at the development, then also I think there was another huge shift. Discipline has really been kind of dismantled at a, at a higher level. And if you look in, there are a couple big huge cases up in New York in the late 80s, early 90s, where the types of punishment you could render in schools, and I'm not talking corporal punishment because I'm not sure corporal punishment works and for young kids at all, you know. Um, and so, but still what it did, it was took out the educator's ability to discipline at a higher level, right? So with that, you know, that creates problems. When there's no repercussion, right, for action, then there's no relevant to to be accountable. If I can get away with whatever I want to do and, I, and there's no repercussion, then guess what? Now, the funny thing is there's ultimately long-range repercussion because when that doesn't pay off, when you get to the workforce and nobody cares and you're like, oh, you're going to act like an idiot, you're fired. You
0: know, that, sure.
1: that becomes the long-term repercussion, but they can't, you can't see that as a kid.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense.
1: Yep. And, and so those are the big ones in the in the educational system. I think the other one, which is a massive one, is you really had a, a kind of a, a breakdown of the family, right? You, you you got a lot of single parenting out there. You have a lot of high divorce rates, and I think you have a lot of of men that aren't playing a a, a more pivotal role. In fact, I'm reading a book on called Positive Neuroscience right now, and it's um by a, a study a collective, a research collective put on by Martin Seligman, who's the father of positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. And one of the chapters I just fin- finished was about uh, paternal influence, right, is that fatherly influence and what it does neurologically for the individual if there's a strong, dominant, healthy male in your life, regardless if you're uh, a female or you're uh, a male, it doesn't matter. The, the brain chemistry it elicits is actually conducive to a healthier mind frame, a healthier living, a healthier framework of values and, and guidelines. Not to say that moms aren't producing that anything. There's just a different connection neurologically that happens with a maternal instinct based on a newborn and touch and those creative growth years from, you know, birth to five, right? Got it. So that has been diminished too, in particular... In urban and inner city environments, all you got to do is go to these places, and you see the the absentee father or the non-existent father in many cases, and what happens to that that youth, it, it, in particular young boys. It's devastating. Now, where you have no father influence or lack of father influence, you have an educational system that's predominantly female, that caters to females, right? You you, you have those, lack of discipline. And then I believe the final one is there has been a dramatic shift in the media, in particular television shows, movies, whatever, that is is demasculating, demasculating, that's correct, right? Demasculating the image of the man as it's seen by children, as it's seen by other adults, as it's seen, right, by whatever. And now, you also see there's a flattened, there's, there's basically an all-out attack on any kind of authority male figure out there. I mean, it seems like in many different cases that there's these, these issues. So, that's a long-winded answer. But, the, the, what ultimately it comes down to, I believe, is, is, is the individual and how they're able to construct what that image of a strong man looks like, all right? So for me, strong man influence initially from my father, squared away, hard worker, smart, intelligent, all right? Next, strong male influences, coaches. I had this insane coach in high school, Gary Neils, amazing guy, right? Had another couple other, this guy, third grade, my third grade teacher, Mr. Wade, who's still at Addison Meisner all these years later, which is amazing, uh, I had my instructors in SEAL training, my the senior leadership I was with. And then now it's these mentors that I have in my life
0: that still maintain and, and present themselves in these strong, healthy ways. Gentlemen, a quick break in the action. If you've not done so already, run over to forgingawarrior.com forward slash manual and grab your free manual titled Eight Strategies to Strengthen Your Warrior Spirit. Also, check out why hundreds of warrior-minded men just like yourself are signing up to the online warrior development program. Right now, get in for a limited time for less than 2 bucks for your first 30 days. Go check it out at ForgingAWarrior.com. That's ForgingAWarrior.com. Both of these links will be posted on the show notes. Thank you, and now back to the show.
1: So having that framework, I'm able to build out a framework of what I should be, what, what would be expected of me, and then also where the, the, the biggest generating influence, and, and you're aware of this, your father for, four, is, are my children. What type of man do they need to see to, in order for them to develop a healthy concept of themselves?
0: No doubt about it. I mean, no, no, no doubt about it. I mean, it, it's, it's not a long-winded answer. It's, it's a very good, solid answer because there are so many different facets that, you know, exactly happen. I mean, these facets all, when they're broken down, it causes that lack of confidence in our society and the lack of confidence specifically in men. Now, we talked about the male father figure, and you've written multiple books on children. Um, I want to get into that just a little bit as far as do you believe, in your opinion, that a male father figure has the same effect on a boy and a girl?
1: No, uh, no, because uh, the, the different genders, they process information differently, right? They they uh, different chemical compounds are, are are they're comprised of, whether it's testosterone or estrogen. I mean, neurologically, I think you're, you're producing relatively similar. But the response patterning and the behavioralism involved and in just how little boys and girls are different, it's just a different process. So there are differences for sure. And, and again, I'll reference that article, which is, it says substantially different you know, um, physiological responses based on those different types of nurturing, right? So I, what, confidence is a tricky thing. I mean, it's a really tricky thing. I, in fact, it was when I when I first started writing my first book, which was these, you know, and to help children develop confidence. And the reason I pick confidence because it's the number one thing that I believe. It's the number one thing as an individual. Um, once you gain hold of fear and fears, fears here's the core of everything in our lives right fear is and, and I'll talk about that a little bit but with confidence is the thing the tool you need day in and day out right i've got this idea called the negative insurgency right and the negative insurgency is all that media information that's pummeling you day in and day out it's just it's just beating you down and you don't even know it's happening it's just the negative nature of of kind of what sells and what doesn't sell. Now, you combine that, that influence of, of uh, a hyper-awareness of fear. Hey, be afraid of this, be afraid of that, because we're, we're taught fear from day one as well as being preconditioned for fear physiologically. So you have those things happening. Now, all of a sudden, based on your self-awareness, the way, you've, the, way the influences around you have taught you to look at yourself, how to identify, how to speak to yourself, All that negative speak becomes an overwhelming thing. So your self-confidence is not only taking a hit from your external environment and also the fact that I think a grand portion of our society is really, and I think it's our fault as parents more than anything is in terms of being hyper-protective from failure. Failure is being eradicated, right? And failure is condemned in many different levels. I mean, I think we're getting a little bit better at it. It's starting to be infused more and and with good coaches, good teachers, and good parenting. But when you can't handle that failure and you don't have a strong framework of confidence, what are you going to do? How are you going to pick yourself back up by the bootstraps, get back into the combat of life, and take another hit, right? Where we see the real shift happen is... From that fifth grade, right? End of fifth grade, the dynamics start to change. And then fifth, sixth, seventh is the is the is just the bright line for the development of that self-confidence. If you if you don't have it intact in any particular way, you're 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 gonna be in trouble. Now you can do it theologically, right? Good religious kids have a better opportunity of weathering that storm for sure. <laughs> you have uh you you know, you have uh whether your framework or your morals and your values of the the your your family system, maybe you have a good influencer, mentor, a coach, or, or a teacher, or an aunt or an uncle that's there to to kind of keep you in that in those you know the I, I like to t- think of them as the bowling lanes that have the inflatables right yeah, I that got keep you bumping <laughs> off the side right? right. Or if if you're astute enough, which it doesn't happen that much, you n- realize that you need to be able to get back in the fight on a regular basis, right? Now, when I looked at all those issues, and, and the number one thing that is really devastating our kids is by far is this concept of desocialization through being connected, right?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: When when I first started teaching kids the the the, the statistic I was using to help people understand Fathers or mothers or teachers or whoever to help them understand the war that they're engaged in is that a thirteen-year-old kid at in oh six had seen roughly about a million different images, right? A million images. Think Damn about da-
0: that. I didn't know that. Okay, that,
1: that's a massive. I'm with you. That's a massive amount. Tremendous. I, I look yes. back when you know I was growing up, and we had three channels. No yeah. internet. <laughs> you no know. Doubt. Our images yeah. came from album covers or That's magazines right. that we would flip through maybe or our textbooks, the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yep. But a lot of it was just through uh, experiential education, what we experienced outside or whatever. Million images at 13, 2006. That number has doubled Significant. I mean, it could even be approaching and, you know, we could even be higher than that. But uh, uh, it, so... You figure 13 year old kids have seen 2 million images now because the average 13 year old boy is connected to the phone or connected to the internet or, or on, six to nine hours a day. Sure. The average girl, 10 to 13.
0: Wow. Unreal.
1: It, it, it's unreal. Insane. So, as a parent, as a teacher, as an influencer of young men in particular, how are you supposed to break down those images and explain that it's not a, it's mostly just a falsified, you know, m- manipulated idea of masculinity?
0: Wow. That's uh, unreal. I mean, those numbers are just mind boggling.
1: It's, it's shocking, but it's the truth. And we're not going to go back the other way, are we?
0: No, we're probably going to get worse as we. Going to
1: get worse, right? Yeah, going to get is, worse.
0: Uh, so, b- just quickly, what do you recommend? I mean, t- for a parent that has a daughter or a child, you know, that's seeing these images on a constant basis. Because I look, you know, at my younger daughter, and even, you know, my. All my children, I mean, they're on the phone, like you said, all the time. And my younger daughter now, she's, you know, looking at her phone, not her phone, but our phone, she kind of scans her. We kind of give her baby games and things like that. But still, I mean, she knows how to use my phone just as good as I do, Yeah. you know, so and sometimes I'll catch her and she'll be scanning something else or she'll be on a YouTube video and I'm like, how the hell did you get in here? And you know what the statistics on YouTube are, right?
1: So on every page of youtube there's a negative something there there whatever whether it's a negative a list of words put together negative imagery within one click that you know it, so that's like one out of, we'll say, ten that's listed on the front page, right? So it's one in ten. When you go to the next page, it jumps to sixty percent probability that you're going to see some type of negative influence, wow. whether it's sexually negative, whether it's lyrically negative, whether it's whatever. You know, we're and and here's another thing with pop rap music, eighty percent of the lyrics involved around treating women incorrectly, partying, getting drunk, getting high. All right, eighty percent. Country music. Sixty-five percent of the songs have all that stuff in it. All right, so we—it is what it is, man. No
0: doubt about it.
1: So what I did is I said, "All right, what are the things that I believe really make up self-confidence?" And when I sat down, obviously, I—I I went to a place where in college I had zero self-confidence. I—I cratered out. I didn't. I had no identity. I didn't know how to. Embrace fear, zero self-confidence. I had no uh, propulsion to be a part of a team. I had isolated myself. I, you know, depression, all that stuff. And so, fast forward, going through SEAL training, gaining all that back, going to combat, gaining all that back, which shot it off on a different route. But that's a whole another concept in terms of dealing with traumatic stress. But what are the fundamentals that are required to have a formula? To rebuild your self-confidence because every day your self-confidence is going to get hit, right? You on the street, you might go one minute, have this beautiful call where you help somebody in a really extreme situation. You feel fulfilled. You feel that sense of that, hey, man, I just protected and served this person. This is why I love it. And then the next, you're digging a crack baby out of a dumpster. No doubt. That shatters a self-confidence as it relates to society and to human the human condition. Why does this happen? Why makes you question even your faith, man? But the reality is you have to have, like anything, like any training platform, whether it's combatives or shooting, you have a structured platform to rebuild those basics to get you back in. So when I first started to evaluate what they needed, right? And now I believe it's it's every as soon as you as soon as you develop really logic. In, in reason, 8, 9, 10, it settles into a, a greater context of your when you really start to flourish in your space-time continuum, 13, 14, 15. Th- these really pay off. So when I first did it, I came up with like something like 26 different things, right? I had 26 different ideas that you could go down and, and figure out. And then I started, well, this one's like this one, this one's like this one. And, and I whittled it down to 8, where well, I believe there are eight core concepts to really forging your self-confidence day in and day out. With, with, whatever you're going to take that hit, you're going to get knocked down. You, you can tap into, you can go in line to rebuild it. You can pull out one in particular that you need to work on. But the, these core eight are the ones that I came up with. So mission number one, and I do everything in mission-based concepts. So cool, mission number cool. one is have a positive attitude. Mission number two is you got to PT or physical training. PT and live healthy. Mission number three is you got to motivate yourself and others on a daily basis. Mission number four is you have to earn respect. Not just get it, you have to earn it. Mission number five, you have to perpetually set goals. Mission number six, you have to live with integrity. Huge one. Mission number seven, you have to have good mentoring in your life. You have to. Pure, plain and simple, good mentoring no matter what. And the last one is you have to have fun in the face of failure, in the face of of consequence, in the face of pain, in the face of all these things. You have to have fun in some capacity.
0: Love it. Love it. So these missions that you've laid out, all right, so let's get into a little bit on on Specifically, I want to go to who was your mentor growing up? Who was somebody that you looked up to, and that really changed who you were?
1: That's a great question, and 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 I think a lot of people need to do this more often and go back to that and evaluation. Obviously, m- my father huge influence, but I, when when I talk about mentoring with people and help them work with, because I do a lot of private coaching too, right? And, and when people are are struggling, they've hit a plateau or a place of, of development that's just no longer, they're not gaining any ground, they're not making those inter- incremental improvements. I always ask, well, how many mentors do you have in your life? And inevitably, people, it's one or two, and it's usually, it's my father or it's my uncle, but it's not a bunch, Right. So mentors play a massive role in all of our lives. And, and so for me, it was my father. My first real mentor that I, I think a, a guy that really just changed me was that Mr. Wade I had talked about at Assamizer in third grade. He was the first person that helped me understand that my life and my, my, my physicality was a learning tool that I could develop to another level, not strictly through the advancement of my academia, through my ability to read and write, arithmetic, all those other things, but through my physicality, I could experience great growth as well too. So that, that was huge, right? There was another coach I had when I played Pop Warner football here at Boca Jets, this guy Robert, and he was amazing. He taught me the, the difference between arrogance and confidence, right? Right? And how to have uh, a certain bravado, and but a bravado that was inspiring, which led to leadership. So it was really amazing this 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 combination that he, he gave me. Right then, uh, you move fast forward, in high school it was this guy Gary Neal's amazing, amazing human being because he taught me about accountability and integrity and all these core things that really help establish and. Then you know you you take a step back and and you know it, I didn't I I'd lost my way in college and then I started to regain them in the teams and there was probably three or four instructors guys that are still in now that played a massive role uh, in me in in my development as as a young frogman as well as a seal there was my chief in my first platoon this guy Wally Graves who. Unbelievable. Very similar. His Dad was a doctor. My dad was a lawyer. Kind of a troubled kid growing up. You know, winning the teams was a medic in the teams. he had served in Panama, so he was one of the few guys back in those days. But he 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 taught me. He really taught me the greater like what you talk about that sense of action. You know, not just being you know talking a good game, but putting your words, putting your boots on the ground, right. So and now you know now I, I have uh, there's a gentleman his name's David Corlew, David Corlew is is Charlie Ma- Daniels' manager. Uh, we've become very close friends, and he plays a huge role in my life, in particular as it relates to keeping humble, right, and staying grounded in this crazy entertainment world. And it's funny you know, he's got this great saying that we're all just a bunch of carnies, right? Selling our wares. And so he, he's a huge influence on me. There's a, a another guy who's out there. His name's Lex McMahon. And Lex and I are, are peers, but he also acts as this very profound mentor for me in many ways as well, too. And he runs a, a company called Titan FC, which is a feeder system for the UFC, big fight thing down here. Um, I, I've got a, a, I had a big mentor, Um, from the teams for a long time who ended up, which was very challenging. He drank himself to death a a little over about a year and a half ago. And and I bring him up specifically because I think it's critical to understand as it relates to mentoring that you're going to hit a place where a mentor might fulfill their purpose. And it's time to let that mentor fade away and go find a new mentor. The problem is is we become very reactive with mentors they come to us and we oh wow this could be a good person instead of seeking people out that are going to have a greater profound impact right so I bring him up another guy kind of in a weird bizarre a guy named Renato Treveras who's a, a, a guy I rolled jiu-jitsu with who is he's like Yoda man he's he's just and, and it's he barely speaks anything, like he's you know he's Portuguese and he's this little guy and like every time I get jammed up and I just am not right, I'll go roll with him for two hours and I'll have him just choke me out on a regular basis. And, you know, <laughs> he, he teaches me the power of submission and the power of, of keeping it simple. And again, through my physicality, I'm able to grow. And then finally, you know, I've got a woman in my life. Her name's Maggie. She is probably the most significant mentor I have, hands down. Um, she's a healer, a masseuse and but when we work together she helps me she helps me understand the precious nature of of time and helps me slow down she helps me uh, in particular appreciate each single moment of each single second of each single day and most importantly she helps me understand the power of of listening and great you know, tapping into that maternal aspect of, of nurturing that we all need to have for each other in some capacity. So, I, you know, so that, for me... That's awesome. Yeah.
0: I thank you for opening up because that, that's some real deep stuff right there. I really appreciate that.
1: No no worries, man. I, I One of the things, and you keep referencing that ability to open up, and, and for the longest time, I was not able to do that. I, I didn't believe it was the greater sense of what a warrior was about, Right. Warriors don't open up. We keep everything contained. We compartmentalize it. We don't share it. And it almost destroyed me multiple times. And when I finally realized that that's not the case and that's not what Christ wants me to do, right? It's not what he wants. He wants us to share our collective pain with one another, just like he shared his pain with us. Now I you know, I, I imagine in my mind every time I get jammed up and I start feeling that sense of 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 I wanna become reclusive or or I wanna regress back into my corner and compartmentalize the stressors that I'm going through, I think to his sacrifice. I think to what my mentors, what my peers have all gone through and what they share with me in terms of those moments. Of weakness, those moments of grand introspection and gaining new perspective through our shared pain. So for me, it's a big component of what Frog Logic is about. It's a big component of who I'm about. Because if the more we do that, and the more we realize we we're not perfect, we are a bunch of sinners. That's we right. are. We we all can learn at a heightened level from each other.
0: And, and that is so important that you say that because, I mean. When we look at the overall context of you know how we live life as men, we tend to, to forget that, especially warrior-minded men, uh, we tend to forget that compassion, that caring for one another does not preclude you for being a Amen. warrior. As, no as a matter of fact, that is a stepping stone and a key component. Into building a warrior-minded individual. So, for me personally, the way that I teach and I kind of disseminate my message is that compassion is a key. You cannot be a warrior in my book without compassion. No way. Okay. okay. Impossibility. I mean, so, and and I agree with you 100%. percent we you know compassion because then you're just
1: psychopathic.
0: Absolutely. Right. You're either a sociopath or you're yes.
1: psychopathic. Because you, you, true warriors are warriors not for themselves. They're warriors for the people they love and cher- cherish most in their lives.
0: Amen, amen. Uh, that that's exactly it. And uh, you know, I was just on a podcast a, a couple of days ago, and you know, one of the things. Hey, listen. Bottom line is this: when a warrior, you can hone your skill, you could hone your mindset, you could hone your spirituality. But if you don't give of yourself and you don't literally go out there and share it with the world, hey man. you're, you're going go to go to your deathbed death with nothing. nothing. <laughs> okay? I mean, exactly. You, you agree, right? One hundred percent. And this is what I'm trying to tell the listeners and trying to get my message across. That, gentlemen, you know, no matter who you are, where you come from, you could step up. You can hone your entire world, shape up, get ready, be a man, transform yourself into a warrior, into that elite type man. But remember the components of, you know, yeah, confidence, courage, honor, integrity, all that is great. But without compassion and giving of yourself, we got zero. Totally. All right. I mean, so that's a, um, we're all definitely on the same page. All right, Dave, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we typically, in, in, in from a warrior mindset, yeah, we talk about physicality, okay? You know, books in, have been written about that. We get it, okay? Bottom line is that we got to do physical activity, no doubt about it, okay? To push ourselves beyond our self-imposed limits, that's how you have breakthroughs, that's how you continue, okay? Absolutely. But I want to talk about something that, it's we don't talk about that often is how the hell do we earn respect? (laughs) Right. Here we go.
1: (laughs) That's It's, it's, it's an incredibly challenging thing in life. Um, You know, one of the, one of the greatest ways that you you earn respect is you you just, you, you, you wake up every day and you realize what a blessing that you have to be alive. Right, you you, you you realize, you know, hey, I'm above dirt. I'm grateful. I, I'm um, i I have been given so much. If I've got a roof over my head, even if you even if you're struggling, even if you're just in your dumps or whatever, you're still above dirt. I mean, all you got to do is look around you. And in particular, you know, I, I mean, I've got 97 teammates that are no longer with us from 911, and. Just that alone, that sense of gratitude that I'm still here, I made it, that that right there puts me in a frame of mind that when I take that gratitude with me out and interact with other people, bam, you start to have that openness and people are like, wow, when they hear you speak, when they hear you talk, they hear you think about that gratitude, that's a massive component. You know, you, 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 you got to realize, you know, respect isn't, Because you just have two opposable thumbs and you're walking upright. I mean, you got the concept that each day. Another big one, obviously, is we talked about it in the beginning is, you know, you got to put your boots firmly on the ground, right? You got to understand, hey, if I'm going to say something, I'm going to do it, right? And and I'm going to live up to that. I'm going to be accountable to those actions, right? And, And that's a massive part of that whole thing right? Is, is, and that's the way you begin to to earn more respect. Um, you know, I think also there's a, a great golden rule, uh, you know, treat others as you want to be treated. I think that's massive. Uh, when when people see you treat other people with, with dignity and, and respect, they'll want to respect you as well, too. Uh, I know that's very difficult for men nowadays because we live in a perpetual world of posturing and and everybody wants to be a tough guy and everybody wants to think this or whatever. And man, you know, you get 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 over yourself because there's always somebody tougher. There's always somebody more badass.
0: Amen. <laughs> and and,
1: and I've, I've come across that so many times, it's not even funny. And, 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 and you know, me thinking I was more than I was and getting put in my place, which I, I needed and deserved. Um, and, and really the last one, the last one, if you you truly want to earn respect, what you got to do is you got to, again, serve others, Yes. right? When when you live a life of servitude, it's automatic. Why do people automatically respect first responders? Tell me. It's easy because they're serving the greater good. They're, 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 if you're on the ambulances or in the ERs, you're, you're getting people that are really struggling life on a day-in and day-out basis, and you keep going back for more, right? If you're uh, a firefighter and you're running into houses that are on fire, still the craziest thing in my whole brain I've ever heard, but if you're running into fire to save someone else's property who might have been delinquent from their own whatever, that's right. and you're risking your life for their yes. property, I mean, think, that, that in and of itself gains respect. Police officers... I mean, on the front lines of maintaining the fabric of our society and our civilization, operators, people in the military. You know, this is a small contingency of the population, but yet they're all held on the pedestal. Why? Servitude. Who are the people on the lowest level, the the people that are exorbitantly rich or wealthy that are, you know, that are manifesting that materialism in other people's faces. And where does their, where does their level of respect go? It diminishes. There's a desire to to have whatever you believe that perception of happiness to be, but it's not accurate. It's not true. The greatest way to earn respect and to feel respected for yourself is that development of servitude to serve others.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Great, wise words right there. Listeners, I mean, you just heard some definitely enlightening stuff right here, man. All right, let's go on to, you talked about having fun. How do we do this? I mean, how do we step it up, that second and third tier, right? How do we have fun through through our lives?
1: Well, I mean, first off, you got to be a laugh it off. I mean, one of the forgotten kind of gifts of, of life is just sheer laughter. And Now, I'm, I am so blessed with my two daughters that... You know, they giggle and laugh all day. They, we still we talk about poop and pee, and it's still hilarious, right? And toots. I mean, <laughs> farts are funny. What are you gonna do, right? So, and and me getting to that space where I'm like, all right, stop talking about that, you know. And I'm just like, wait a minute, these two are fully engaged. They're having a ball. They're having a time. And because, I I, I, I something inside me wants to contain or control that, right? I'm sure. like, no, go. Let's have fun and just whatever. So. And then in your own life, right? Not taking yourself too seriously, really understanding that hey, laughter is is a huge component of of. And and one of the things I always ask when I give this speech, you know, for I, you know, when I first start out the slide, I said, when when was the last time you actually like peed in your pants from laughter?
0: That's a great question. right? right.
1: Or, or when was the last time you, you laughed so hard you were like, <laughs> you know, you did the snort or your gut hurt so bad you were hunched over?
0: For, For sure. sure.
1: In many cases, I ask this question, people can't remember. Now, if you can't remember when the last time you laughed like that, that's a problem. That means your life has moved in a direction that's really, really, it, it, you're, you're not having fun. Now, one of the great things is they, everybody's like Dave. Well, I mean, obviously for you, you you have fun all the time. You're you're following your dreams. You're a speaker. You got a big pie All that stuff. And I said, no, I, I struggle, just like everybody else. In fact, you know, because of all the stuff I've gone through, I, I struggle a lot, right? And, you know, I just came through a, a really tough, arduous personal year with divorce and and huge struggles for most of the year. But it was in the moments where my friends or family or whomever could get me to laugh that I felt human again. Sure. And, and if you don't believe, there are, what, there are 15 gazillion studies by some really smart cats up at Harvard and Northwestern and Stanford who have proven, proven that laughter enhances your life in every capacity, physiologically, yes. emotionally, and spiritually. So that's a big Another one is is Competition. Right. We, we live in a society now that's more and more and more and more moving away from the external component of competition as a healthy manifestation of fun. Right. And, and every, you know, in particular, the big one I always hear is everybody gets a trophy as a kid. Right. Everybody's a <laughs> b- participant. Everybody's a winner. No, that's not the case. And all you're doing is a disservice to that child. Because, you know, you get the, in, in your work life and you, you do a project wrong and you're like, no, that sucks. Get out of here. You're gone. And then all of a sudden you're crying and you're 34 years old because you, you didn't get picked. Yeah. Or you got to run through that
0: safe space. Right.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, nonsense. It's not competition no is innately humanistic. We have been competing for survival since day one, brother. It's part of how we're wired. That's why I love combatives, martial arts and jiu-jitsu and all, the, all these boxing and we tie because you're going to get in every day with somebody who's going to whip your butt, who's going to tag you on the chin. You're going to feel the immediate physical sense of loss, right? That you're not as good as you think you are. And that is fun because that helps you realize the truth of what your environment actually is. And so competition is essential. You got to have competition. Um, You know, another huge one is taking risks, right? That has been whittled away from so many people out there. It's like, hey, don't take risks. Do the safe thing. Don't do this, you know. And, And when you don't, and you know, brother, I mean, you went from Wall Street to a police officer. You can't get a bigger risk than that. But in that risk, in that sense of servitude, your life changed for the better. You were awoken to a greater sense of who you are and yourself. And I'm sure, although in the in the madness of being a police officer, where you were and all that, there were moments that were just, you couldn't put a price tag. There was so much fun. Graduating the academy, getting your uniform, being out on the beat, making your first arrest, you know, helping take crime off the streets. That's fun stuff the 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 great challenge a lot of times when we talk fun is people are thinking party favors and top hats right and fun is not necessarily like childlike fun is a sense that you have enjoyment or fulfillment from the activity that you're engaged in very true so that's important and then the last one by far is the great the people that are having the most fun in life And, and I've been researching this around the world, are, are, the, purpose, are the purpose-driven the people, the people that have a heightened sense of purpose through servitude and who really love the people they're working with, they love their family members, they're able to tap into a core sense of love on a day-in and day-out basis and talk about love. They use love in their terminology. They're not afraid to tell their best friends, they love each other, that their kids they love each other, their wife, they give you know kisses out in public, they hold hands they 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 hug their friends, they tell their friends they love each other. they live in a they love Christ, they love God, they love whatever Moses, I don't care whatever, but they live with an, with an armor of love that they expose to the world around them. That's fun. When you can live with that sense of love being out front, all of a sudden, Life, and, and, and again, not talking party favors and firecrackers. I'm talking a, a healthy, po- gent- more positive than negative lifestyle. And the way you boost to that, in my opinion, is with the greatest piece of gear you've ever been issued in your entire life. And that's a healthy mindset of love that, that you use day in and day out like any tool. You use it like dialogue. You use it like uh, your skill sets and what you do for a living. You use it uh, in all your interactions. You use it in your intimacy. You use it in yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror, right? And not to say that, you know, you might be overweight or you might be struggling mentally or you're spiritually devoid that you, you, you know, I, 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 love myself and I look good, whatever, you know, that's not, what I'm talking about. but to really say, I love myself enough to get in the fight. I love myself enough to push harder. I love myself enough to be a better person. And when you utilize that concept of love openly, like a weapon, literally like a weapon, you, you you start living with a self confidence that that cannot be denied
0: that's awesome because everything that we've talked about in this episode here it's all about sharpening the sword it's all about sharpening that mindset and believe it or not these are key components that help build and transform a man to a true warrior
1: hands down
0: that's hands awesome. down now
1: one of the things that also is it and I like this I use this a lot and you know, all my social media at Team Frog Logic. If you're out there, please go check it out. I give a daily dose of motivation every single day, almost on Instagram and Facebook. Um, one of the things that I, I you know, you, you have to realize with this is there's a duality of existence. We, we live in a, a perpetual state that's changing from one side to the next. It's always shifting, right? And... And and you're going from the positive to the negative, the positive to the negative, the positive to the negative. And so within that 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 duality, you have these three core components of your life, right? The physical self, the mental self, and the spiritual or emotional. I like spiritual more. Um, and and so as you imagine that flip-flop going back and forth, so too is that triad that I believe is resting on this, you know, this razor's edge, this pinpoint razor's edge. And so when the negative the insurgency gets you, it throws it way, way off, out of whack on your spiritual self or way out of whack on your physical or your mental self. So you're in this constant, just kinetic environment of change, right? And one of the ways to balance that stuff out is, is to look at life in its duality, right? So as you're sharpening that warrior mindset, you also need to sharpen that poetic mindset too. So I, I like to think of myself as the poet warrior because I'm I'm doing everything I can to put down that shield now because I'm tired of carrying it. I want to get rid of the rock and, and start having a greater influence as a, as a, as a teacher now. Um, but I still have it. I can still flip the switch and go to it if I want, right? But the greater context is to live in both worlds. And so it's key for those of you... To realize, like when, another thing, if I got a real badass that's struggling to integrate into back, I work a lot with veterans, really struggling to integrate back into society, they don't fit in, they don't. They can't find friends, man, I'll start with the most basic exercise of anything, I'll have them write a poem. Now, you can imagine a dude that's got five or six combat deployments when I say to him, hey, bro, I want you to write a poem. They're like, right, <laughs> go to hell. I say, go to hell or maybe we can sell. I don't know what but you're going to tell You I know, uh, see how easy that is. And so that would be like, there uh, you go. So the <laughs> idea is we have two sides of our brains and it's, it's key to utilize both in our development as, as humans in particular as men um, to use that creative side, to use that side. Now you don't have to write a poem. You don't have to paint a picture, but you have to go out there and, and, and be creative with your friendships, be creative in your li- relationships, especially be creative as as uh, a parent if you're stagnant and believe one road you know there's one path to salvation for your child then you are sorely mistaken because one you're anywhere from 20 to to 30 to 40 years older than your kid so you're from two generations separated so man you you got to think in, in a whole different light and part of developing that creative sense will enhance that warrior's ability, and it'll also make you, and that warrior make you fight harder for what you truly love.
0: Love it, man. Love it. Amazing. All right, listen, I'm going to ask you something that I ask every guest. Awesome. All right. What is your definition of a modern-day warrior?
1: Interesting. That's great. A modern-day warrior to me is a person that is – Doing what they need to do, right? They're they're maintaining their their rent, their mortgage. They got a, a healthy job. They're productive members of society. They contribute, right? They can bitch and moan a little bit as we all need to. We need a little bit of stress, you know, de stressors, but for the most part, they're actively participating in a positive way and contributing to the advancement of our civilization and our society, right? They vote, they pay their taxes on time, they're, they're good neighbors. You know, all those things are key aspects of the court. Now, what makes a warrior is somebody who takes that and then steps it up, who actually goes out there and improves the lives of others. Because it, by its nature, that's what a warrior is, right? A warrior is a protector of the group, the tribe, right? There's always a tribe. And the warrior is the person that protects it. They'll go out away from the the confines of the, the little village, of the little society, your neighborhood, your core group of friends, your peer influence, whoever that is. You're going to step outside that and protect it. Well, thank goodness we live in a world where... You don't necessarily have to go out and protect it like the old days where, you know, the the tribe down the block is going to come and steal <laughs> all your stuff, right? And you have to shoot them in the face with your new, your new AR. But what you have to do is you have to advance your tribe. Make your tribe better, right? Create opportunities that enhance the greater good. Now, that servitude can be working for nonprofits. That serve can be starting your own charity, can be raising money. Hell, I say if you really want to be a warrior, get out there and go find some other kids that don't have a warrior in their life, that don't have a strong paternal influence, and be that person because that's the front line of our society right now. We are losing children by the millions right now because nobody is stepping up to teach them these core concepts of developing self-confidence to prepare them for a very harsh world cuz what everybody wants to believe is that this this peaceful you know although we you, you watch the news for 5 seconds you think the world's going to implode we're in the most peaceful time in human history right now in human history that that's insane and all, you don't have to even look back that far away I mean you can go back World War II, we lost 75 million people. That was 70, what, 73, 74 years old?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: 75 million human beings. Our safety, our society was on the brink. It could have gone down. That was not that long ago. That will come again. There is no doubt in my military mind, in my historic mind, my poetic mind, it's just the nature of the human condition. So think to yourself, not to. You know, be total negative nanny about all this, but to think to yourself, what is going to effectively prepare your sons for that level of servitude when they're called into action or asked to go into action or, or whatever in action, or your daughters? Hell, our daughters, man. I keep probing my daughter's new. You want to fly jets, sweetie? You want to fly spy planes? You want to be in the CIA? What do you want to do, sweetie? Right? You want to go to the Naval Academy? You've got a West Point, right? <laughs> Papa, I want to have a bunny farm. Okay, well, let's talk about that after the agency, right? So, <laughs> sweetie, we ready to start learning Chinese? Okay. Great. So, that's the reality. And so, what being a great warrior, I believe now is is stepping outside your comfort zone, your hyper-protectivity of your own environment, which is, granted, God bless you, do it well. But to step out and be an influencer that helps either the next generation first or really begins to buffer and stabilize the existing generation that we have now. This whole pointing fingers and the diversification and everybody's choosing a side and everybody wants a moniker, and identity, whatever. But we still need to be able to come to the table. So at the very minimum... Be the person that can bring eight different types of people to a table to have an open discussion and lead that discussion.
0: Very powerful. Very powerful, man. Spot on, Dave, on that. Listen, where can people reach you?
1: Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you. First off, you can go check out my website at at teamfroglogic.com. That's teamfroglogic.com. Uh, and there you can find all my old podcast shows, Navy Seal Radio. I have 81 shows out there. I got six podcasts called the Frog Logic Podcast. I've got books and T-shirts and all that stuff. A bunch of blog entries. Um, or you can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Team Frog Logic, Twitter at Team Frog Logic, Facebook at Team Frog Logic or Team Frog Logic. Uh, I'm also on Google Plus, LinkedIn. Uh, where else? Pinterest and, uh, G Tumblr, all of them. Anyways, uh, and then, and then I, what I would really recommend to everybody is, is to go check out my, my new podcast with Marcus Latrell, The Lone Survivor. Uh, it's called The Team Never Quit Podcast. Team Never Quit Podcast. And you can find that at tnq, tnqpodcast.com, where you can download and listen to the, ra- the shows right there. And we have, holy cow. I think we're approaching 70 shows now. We just were about ready to hit 4 million downloads. Uh, we've had everybody from Diana Nyad, the woman who swam from Cuba to Florida, took her 30 years to do it. She did it when she was 64 years old. We had a guy called James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy, who did 50 Ironmans in 50 states in 50 days. We had Secretary Rick Perry on. We had Willie Robertson from Duck Dynasty on. We had Mark Wahlberg on. We've had uh, Laura Logan, 60 Minutes correspondent that was raped by 300 men in Tafar Square in the Arab Spring. She tells her Never Quit story. Uh, it's So find that or just go to your uh, your iTunes podcasting app, search Team Never Quit Podcast. It'll pop right up, and please subscribe, and, and that's where you can find
0: What about your, uh, your books?
1: So I've got, my, I've got a kid's book, uh, the self-confidence book that I pulled in. We're redoing that. So that's off the shelf right now. But I've got a, a – because a, we're, we're doing it, and I've got a cartoon character called Doc Frog. That's basically a uh, – what do you call it? It's a half frog man, half frog, uh, and he does a PT book. So PT for kids, and so it's 12 basic PT movements. Uh, mixed with all the frog logic motivation in there so parents can work out with their kids and develop conversations through physicality Uh, we're getting ready to release my next kid's book which is doc frog and the anti-bully brigade which has three new characters and it's an anti-bully book how to combat uh, bullying very good Yep, i've got a an adult book called forging self-confidence that's out there and you can find that on everywhere on eBay, Amazon. I've got an audio book that's real fun to listen to. I do the speaking um, and then I'm getting ready we're halfway through my next uh, adult book, which is going to be called uh, live the team life. And that'll be out probably in February or, or March.
0: Very good. So what I'm going to do guys for you, I'm going to link up the books. I'm going to link up the podcast and uh, Dave's w- uh, website, so you can uh, go there and check it out. I highly recommend that uh, you grab his books and also um, go check out that podcast. It's a phenomenal podcast uh, with Marcus Luttrell and Dave, and uh, they talk to some amazing people out there. So set, definitely put that on your list. Thanks, bro. Dave, listen, man, you've been an absolute phenomenal guest. We learned so much from you here today, and... Uh, I say, like I always say, man, implement these (laughs) tactics, implement what Dave is saying to your life. Get yourself stronger, develop that mindset, and eventually your confidence will absolutely come. Listen, Dave, I want to have you on here for sure coming up, uh, especially if you have that new book coming up. Maybe we'll get you in uh, again at the beginning of the year to promote that book, man. It's been a pleasure. And brother, all I can say, man, is that you are definitely one hell of a warrior out there that uh, really gives gives himself a passionate man, and uh, we need a lot more men out there like yourself. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate
1: coming on, man. You're doing a great
0: podcast here. Appreciate it, man. Stay safe out there. You too. God bless you. Well, there you have it. Tell me you don't feel electric because I still feel it. I feel that energy all around my body. What a great conversation. Now listen, gentlemen, it's up to you to start implementing these principles to your life. Remember, it takes action in your part to make it happen, to gain that confidence. Put it to work. Remember, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Man of War Podcast. Also, go grab your free manual titled Strengthen Your Warrior Spirit at ForgingAWarrior.com forward slash manual. Check out our new documentary at ForgingAWarrior.com forward slash warrior film. And of course, go sign up for the Warrior Development Program. You have my word you're not going to regret it, especially for $1.99 for your first 30 days all the resources, virtual training lessons across the board, and hundreds of other warrior-minded men building this network. You're going to love it. Go sign up at ForgingAWarrior.com. That's ForgingAWarrior.com. Until next time, remember, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.